Hi everyone, it is July 14, 2022, and you're watching me, Nikki Yu, also known as Business Trader for the Awesome 10X Philippine Market Update. So we have recalibrated our Philippine market updates to become Thursdays on 2 p.m. So uh, if you were waiting every Wednesdays, please note that uh, we are changing our timeline to Thursdays at 2 p.m. every week. So let's begin with the most important news for the day or for the week. Uh, for the week, I believe that uh, the most important news would have to be the Philippine bis Business uh, Banco Central uh, raising rates. So let's go through that news here. Um, I'm sharing my screen now. You could see that Philippine Central Bank, which just raised 25 basis points last um, few weeks ago, has now gone to a rising rate environment uh, to appease all the dollar which has been uh, moving. You've seen how the peso dollar actually devalued towards 56.50 in the Philippine market, and the U.S. has gone uh, in berserk with the dollar strength. The Philippine Central Bank had to fight back, and uh, this is one of those surprise moves that they've done. You're seeing that the Philippine interest rates is now up to 75 basis points, and it's now hovering uh, to about 3%. Let's take a look. Implemented outside the regular policy meeting cycle, this tightening move is the most aggressive by the BSP since 2002, so that it could really target inflation. The Philippines raised uh, this to rescue the faltering peso and the broadening inflationary pressures. This rise is accompanying other central banks, which are also raising rates. This included one with Singapore and Indonesia is still um, moving back. But you're seeing that ASEAN currencies have really devalued this year. And we're going to take a look at the charts as well. So far, um, the BSP's overnight deposit and lending facilities was also raised to about 2.75 and 3.75% respectively. So far, they will also discuss on August 18 on whether they will raise rates again by 25 basis points, um, on uh, which they already did for May and June. So, so far, 25, 25, 75 or approximately 1.25% increase in the, Philippine peso, uh, in the Philippine peso time deposit rates. This, of course, affected your Philippine peso as the Fed is seen to also raise rates this July 26-27 when they meet and also another 50 basis points on September. So what's actually happening with Philippine peso is they are also um, fighting back with the raising environment of U.S. as worldwide central banks are all fighting against inflation. Um, a weak peso, of course, has been hurting the economy, uh, and, and this is really just one necessary uh, step for the government of the Philippines to really combat high um, capital risk. Let's take a look at the news here. You're seeing every uh, headline today is uh, talking about this um, big rate hike, and you should expect actually all the world's governments to be in a rising rate environment. So um, it's not just the Philippines, but this is, of course, USA. This is the most red. Let's just go through this. U.S. inflation quickened further to about 9.1%, raising the potential for the Fed to go big in raising rates further this July 27, about two weeks from now when they reconvene their meeting, and also to continue their rate hikes until September. So you can see, let's just read through the news. The consumer price index climbed further the most since 2005, 
increases have reflected higher gasoline, shelter, and food costs. U.S. inflation has been very aggressive to the point that consumer spending is really further getting re reduced, especially consumer discretionary spending. You're seeing this relentless inflation happening worldwide, and the Philippines is suffering as a result because of this dollar strength, devaluation, and the increases in commodities, which haven't trickled down um, any any easing of commodities hasn't really trickled down so far to any consumer. Let's take a look here. Um, what the Bloomberg ec economists are saying is that it is very premature for us to preemptively dismiss the June CPI report as old news, as it has been showing inflation creeping up in places where it can be harder to squash. We are seeing actually that this energy crisis is continuing to loom. Retail gas prices in the U.S. has stopped $5 nationwide. And this is um, reigniting questions with the 1970s berserk inflation, which threatens the world to go into a recession. So you've been hearing the world's recession, recession worldwide. And um, let's take a look at the Banco Central Pilipinas. If we can see the, the world's um, treasury rates right now, the overnight borrowing rate is now 3.25%. This happened today, July 14. As uh, this signals that the governor, Jokno, Benjamin Jokno, is ready to basically take all the necessary uh, precautions so that the Philippine dollar, uh, the dollar peso doesn't really go as high as 70 or 60 pesos next year um, if we don't uh, consider, if we don't really look at this very carefully. As we take a look at the dollar peso here, you can see that as of 2022, the dollar peso has already devalued 12%. That means that your purchasing power has gone devalued 12%. This is in tandem, of course, with the rising strength of the dollar on the entire world. So you can see that the dollar peso has been shooting, um, devaluing, primarily because of this DXY. The dollar currency is um, against the G7 basket, which means that the dollar has been threatening worldwide over your dollar currency yen. Let's take a look at all of these currencies first. The dollar yen has devalued this year from about 115 to 138. This is a sharp 20% devaluation for the Japanese yen. Let's take a look at the euro dollar, which has gone below parity this year. You're seeing that one peso. And you're taking a look, of course, um, on GBPUSD. Let's take a look. GBPUSD is all in the downtrend. So basically, this rising dollar interest env environment has been hurting not just the Philippine currency, but worldwide. So you're, let's take a look at your Indonesia, USD, Indonesian rupiah. Indonesian rupiah, which is our um, ally in ASEAN, has also devalued from 14,000 to 15,000, suggesting that this is a worldwide crisis and not simply a company or a country-specific crisis. So it, it has to be that the world's um, currencies would fight against this rising dollar. You're seeing that the Aussie dollar so far is still steady here at 67 cents, owing to the fact that Aussie actually is a commodity country. And if commodity prices continue to be elevated, it it may actually not depreciate as much as the rest. You could see that for the year, Aussie dollar went from 70 cents to 67 cents. That is just a 5% devaluation on Aussie, which is still outperforming versus the rest of the world's currencies. Let's take a look at um, uh, a lot of these statistics first. Um, you can see that um, the Philippine 
uh, economy is uh, of course reliant on high interest rates to stabilize the peso from getting berserk. Take a look at the last 25 years, just to take a look. Although the, uh, the Philippine government has raised the rates, take note that versus 2010, it is still quite low. So um, let's take a look at the data here. You're seeing that the forecasts are actually still delayed, meaning the world is still um, forcing most economists and most stock valuations to trigger lower. Take note that a higher interest rate triggers people to just keep their money in the Philippine peso cash or in the Philipp or, or in just the dollar, wherein they make money just lending the, the, the dollars or the pesos to other banks. So um, you could see that it's really tightening liquidity and it is actually further lowering the consumption um, in terms of uh, purchasing power. Um, what happens usually in a high interest rate environment is that the banks are forced to um, lend to you at a higher rate. So let's take a look at the percentages. The actual rate now is 3.25 because of that 75 basis points interest rate hike. We have actually in the last uh, 40 years experienced interest rates as high as 31%. Now, I'm not trying to tell you berserk ways that the, the Philippine will go uh, berserk interest rate hikes, but to say that a 5% interest rate hike for the next 10 years is likely should be taken into consideration given in 2010, we actually had uh, high interest rates of 5%. So we know that the world actually had a very low interest rate environment and the Philippines raised rates for the first time since 2018, marking actually um, one of the reasons why the dollar peso, um, actually the, the Philippine dollar has been the one raising rates. And the Philippines is simply actually just following suit. So we are actually more of a reactionary environment. And this is the first time actually to see that the Philippine government did not react but become proactive. So let's assume that this proactive move of the Philippine government will help alleviate this dollar devaluation, i.e. This, um, this peso devaluation. That means that maybe in the very short term, this dollar peso here at about 56.44 could have temporarily peaked if we can always go against every Fed interest rate hike this next three months. And it could actually be a short term reprieve to go back here to 55 or 54 just to control that, um, that Philippine peso devaluing very much. Let's go further towards data. <clears throat> um, so far, the companies worldwide are already expected to, um, to make a follow through increase. Let's take a look what exactly happened during um, inflationary environments. Um, this is a paper written by uh, Cayetano Paderanga Jr., um, Macroeconomic Policy Regimes in the Philippines. So the Philippines has, of course, undergone several economic regimes since it regained independence since 1946. Let's take a look what the development of the Philippine economy since the Second World War and what are the, st the statistical tables that happened over these 1950s towards 2010s and what we can learn from that for this next 10 years, 2020 to 2030 scenario. So let's look at the very um, the the nearest uh, the nearest cycle that we could be in. In the 1970s, there was this fiscal aggressiveness accommodating monetary policy and access to internal financial credit. This resulted, of course, to the devaluation. It had an inflationary episode, 
because the government went berserk in the government expenditures. This was, of course, also political changes imposed during the martial law in September 1972. Let's also understand that during these 1970s, there was high world prices on coconuts and copper and very high international credit, which made the Philippines go into an expansionary fiscal activity. An expansionary fiscal activity can lead to overspending by the government. So the Philippine peso, in order to stop going berserk, has to realize that although the Philippine government needs to create jobs, it has to really transfer to the Philippine consumer spending because um, an inflationary pressure can is already very difficult in the Philippines and what we can see from past history is that if the fiscal expansionary spending is not controlled, this may actually make inflation even worse. So let's take a look at what happened. Monetary policy during that time was accommodative, which resulted into an inflationary pressure. One of the reasons why a lot of people in the U.S. are also blaming the central bank governments is because they believe that had the U.S. government tightened rates faster, there would have been less of this inflation happening now that has to be controlled and is worsening the deficits of USA. This is also true in the Philippines where we have gone a 10-year low interest rate environment. As I said, we were below 5%. And for most housing example, a lot of housing markets have gone berserk with speculation and has now and now needs a lot of um, control because some people might have thought that easy money forever. Therefore, that easy money usually went into a very uh, expensive housing market. Now, let's take a look. In the 1980s, there has been this currency stabilization and financial reform. Let's take a look. In the 1980s, we had uh, an economy that was already having problems. And it was worsened by this Latin American debt problem, which increased, which increased the international financial risk aversion. There was also the assassination of a popular opposition leader. All of us know that Ninoy Aquino was assassinated during 1986, which of course led to the, uh, sorry, it, he, he was assassinated not 1986, but 1980 plus. And um, of course, that led to the EDSA revolution, which is now being celebrated in the Philippines, the People Power Revolution, every February 25, 1986. Now, um, of course, um, yeah, that was uh, in, in October 1983. This disruption led to a, a very deep recession in the Philippine economy, where GDP per capita income declined by 18%. Income per person wouldn't even be reached until after 10 years, 1981 to 1991. In this currency crisis, the Central Bank of the Philippines went into forward transactions causing tremendous losses. Instead of being recognized, they were um, adjusted, capitalized, and so the Philippines actually had... Um, a difficulty. It was said to be um, the monetary supply was controlled by the national government selling bonds uh, to sterilize liquidity in what was known as an inside-out money. Um, reform efforts were revived. Monetary control was only achieved by government floating bonds. So that's uh, 1986. There was this IMF program stabilizing the Philippine economy in 1986. During this time, the Philippine dealing system was also set up to make trading of securities and currency more efficient. 
I remember, uh, because this is the only time that I was born, 1986, I think that a lot of people said that when the IMF started to introduce a lot of uh, fiscal controls and capital controls in the Philippine market, that helped to um, control inflation. Of course, the, the, the world was also very bullish in, um, in what they saw was um, a strong government. During that time, there was really a lot of positive high because of uh, the Korea Aquino administration being thought to actually stabilize the Philippine government. Now, um, in the 1990s, let's just go through history first. There is what we call the liberalization, the liberalization of the Philippine peso freeing the government from forex constraint. This currency was liberalized in November 1991 with a steady inflow of foreign currency starting, started to strengthen the peso. Inflation slowly declined, increasing currency inflows made a steady, more expansionary investment push. Okay, during the latter half of this uh, decade, a mild semblance of inflation targeting was implicitly initiated. However, of course, we can see that there was also the 1997 Asian financial crisis, which triggered again a worldwide um, ASEAN default. You can see that ASEAN currency in that dollar, uh, the dollar peso regime. Let's let's go to the history there um, to see how our peso. Philippine peso again devalued, devalued yet again in 1997. Um, of course, the economy stabilized speedily. However, those were years that was really, really bad if you had a lot of pesos and didn't hide in the dollar or didn't diversify. Um, 2000s, of course, we talk about the global crisis yet again. This was the Nasdaq bubble. There was also a shift to uh, accommodating BOP surplus. We could see that from the 1997 Asian financial crisis, the Philippines was part of the ASEAN BRICS, wherein um, we were the economy that were, I think we were called the tiger economy, um, just like Indonesia, Vietnam, um, Thailand. We were trying to help our fiscal with these uh, BPOs and a lot of remittances. This was a time 20 years ago when we were attempting to stimulate our economy with a lot of overseas Filipino workers. Therefore, we call them the heroes. Um, <clears throat> that recession was obviously um, still, uh, we, we followed the uptrend uh, around 2003 to 2007, four good years until, of course, the 2008 global financial crisis. So um, what did we learn from all these stats and data? <clears throat> Let's take a look. We can see that um, the inflow of OFW remittances and increasing exports of processed agricultural products and the enlarging BPO sector have been beneficial to make the Philippines largely anchored on the dollar and to not really have um, a, a spiraling problem. So Philippine macroeconomic regimes in, uh, in summary, 1949 to 60, it was fixed exchange rate. Around the um, year 1970s to 2001, instead of being fixed, it became a peso float. 1970 to 82, you've got monetary targets. 1983 to 2001, those 20 years, those were actually, I heard this time we had these jobo bills, very high interest rates and so on. And after that, 20 years, 2002 to 2000, uh, to present, we are now in the inflation targeting zone. Let's take a look at the GDP of the Philippine government. If you could see the Philippines um, from an arithmetic uh, average, you could see that over the last five years, say 2006 to 2010, our average was about 5%. Actually, 2010 to 2020, we also um, managed to grow our economy above 5%, which is not bad. So... Um, let's take a look at our um, our inflation, though. 
headline inflation rates by period, you could see that in the 1970s to 1980s era, the inflation rates was sky high. We're hitting 17 to 20 percent. And if we're going to be in that situation yet again for the next 10 years, I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to look back in history what exactly happened during 1970s to 1985. Now, let's also take a, a look at what happened um, 1986 to 2000, those 20 years where inflation actually lowered. That was actually one of those very good times. Uh, and then 2000 to 2020, we were able to still lower down our inflation. Let us be careful not to repeat these problems of 1970s to 1985s. Again, it's all about the fiscal responsibility and we have to fix um, the, the overspending because um, inflation is already rampant. If we have more debts and more debts, that's going to be uh, a signal that uh, the Philippine economy cannot pay their debts and therefore we will, we will always devalue our currency. Okay, so the CPI um, has so far, I think, um, so in the US it's 9%. The Philippines is yet to know what our um, CPI or consumer price index in the Philippines. However, we could see that during that very high inflationary problem, 1980s was one of the times where our interest rates went as high as 31%. Of course, in a 31% interest rate environment, a lot of companies go bankrupt unable to pay such a high interest rates. Now, let's assume that the Philippine government goes up. Now, I don't think that we will go as high as those 30% eras, but we may actually hit this 5% era, um, which is similar to about 2010 and year 2000s. No? So 5% is still a low rate. That gives you that the Philippine government can actually raise the rates from 3% today to 5%. Okay, so um, what is the role of a macroeconomic regime? Um, the role of a macroeconomic regime is um, to control inflation. And uh, you should actually take a look what happened during these times when interest rates were high, what happened? No, So, Okay, now let's go to our Philippine peso. Let's take a look at the monthly charts here just to get an idea what has been happening over those uh, past uh, 50 years in the Philippine market. Uh, let's take a look if we can find um, the Philippine peso with a longer term data. Dollar peso. Um. Okay, I'm sorry that I couldn't show to you the 1980s era or the 1970s era. The data here that we can only show to you goes as far back here to about 1997 financial crisis. Now, in the 1997 Asian financial crisis, we know that there was a time when the dollar was also spiking. And take a look at that devaluation. It went from 30 to almost 56 in a span of seven years or a 100% devaluation. Now, I'm not saying that the Philippine peso is going to go 70s or 80s, but looking back to history, if you can see in the next seven years, a warped, um, a very nasty, well, you have to understand, nasty inflationary environments can persist not just in a single year, but it can persist for the next five to six years. It can also be a function of the government spending going overboard. So those are a few things that you have to take a look at as a Filipino investor and as a Filipino trader. These are macroeconomic variables that every company is going to have to suffer from. Now, in the 2003 arena here, you could see that even as the Philippine market, you can see that the Philippine market usually suffers on this time, no? These times of a uh, of a uh, of a uh, 
of a super devaluation of the dollar peso, the Philippine economy actually was only able to recover during this time, 2003 to 2007. 2003 to 2007, you actually see the Philippine peso uh, finally decline from 60s all the way to 40 era. And then over the last 20 years, as I said, uh, we have just been trading within a range no, from about 60 to 40. Now, is it time to assume that this dollar peso era is gonna no go towards 70 to 80 already for the next 5 to 10 years? Um, from a speculation standpoint, if the Philippine peso has a number of leeways to continue rising rates, um, the Philippine peso may, may stop the, the overall trajectory towards the dollar. But um, let us be aware of history. History shows to us that if the Philippine government spending becomes deficit and deficit, we cannot print our money towards success. We need actually remittances and jobs. And with a worldwide recession, unfortunately, it's going to be very hard for the Philippine economy and for our exports, whether our exports is tao, diba? we know that the Philippine exports people, um, if our OFWs cannot actually send so many dollars towards the Philippines, um, that is going to trickle down to very weak peso. So very, very careful because um, in a high dollar environment, this is actually very negative towards your Philippine economy and it is very negative towards your banks. Uh, sorry, very bad towards your properties. So uh, I'm not actually surprised when the Philippine properties is suffering. Okay, yes, I was sharing my screen. Diba kita? Oh my God, sorry, sorry. I thought that I... Um, Okay, so I was talking 25 minutes and I thought that I was sharing my screen. And pala. Sorry. Uh, let me share my screen now then. Um, um, wow. Thanks for the comment. Um, yeah, so I was actually sharing my screen here. Um, let me repeat that screen share again. So um, please be careful. The dollar peso went warp speed no from 1997 crisis 30 to 56 seven year devaluation um devaluation of the dollar um sorry the dollar peso and then only to correct during those last four years to 2003 to 2007 during the economic boom worldwide where capital inflows actually worldwide there was a strong growth in the economy of course we had the 2008 financial crisis yet again and since then 13 years now we are uh, we are leaving that easy money policy towards very hard policies. So in the hard years, um, which we expect to continue, whether one year or three years, um, do not fight the trend. The trend is still your friend. And what the trend is telling you is, unfortunately, um, while the Philippine dollar uh, peso can correct from 56 peso to about 54 peso, unfortunately, guys, um, the trend is your friend. Uh, and it means that the dollar is still going to be strong. Unless the Philippine economy can fight this um, through three sectors, the, sector, the sectors that can help the Philippine peso is number one, we have to have less deficits, the debt, so control the spending. Number two, we have to earn more, so tax revenue collection, um, exporting, of course, if we can export our products very well. And our product in, in the main scenario is really OFWs. So that means that if we can have more OFW remittances, more BPO workers, if we can export our labor very, very well, and that is what the Philippine economy has done over the last 20 years, then um, that metric can actually stop this uh, massive eviction or massive evasion of flows away from the Philippines. 
So those are really critical ideas to discuss when it comes to the Philippine pesos. Um, let's go through the Philippine market and, of course, what is the effect of this dollar-peso towards your Philippine market. Let's take a look at dollar-peso and PSEI. Uh, let's just add that so um, you can clearly see naman that the Philippine peso, um, let's show to you and share to you the, the a very easy naman monthly chart. Okay, so unfortunately, guys, as you can see, this uh, this line clearly tells you that during this 2003 to 2007, when the Philippine economy was, uh, when, when the dollar peso was declining, that allowed your Philippine market to go up. And you can see that when the dollar peso rose during the 2008 to 2009 area, that was the great financial crisis, um, your Philippine market tanked. No, This was the decline there during that time. During this easy money policy from 2009 to 2022, we could see that the Philippine economy managed to go from a, a, a higher move. Unfortunately, now um, the Philippine peso has uh, has been devaluing uh, too much, too much, no. So uh, the 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 repercussion, however, is actually stronger declines for your PSEI market. Okay, so. Um, you can already see that um, the Philippine market here, we have been very bearish, outright bearish on this um, this Philippine economy. We were seeing that the, the PSEI has a lot of headwinds to control. Um, 7,500 is a, is a very high target, which is not going to happen in the next six months. And unfortunately, we also said that 6.7 and 6.4, 6.5, all of these are actually now your lower resistances. Where would we find your first signs of support? Possibly at 5.7 and at worst, no? At worst, we may actually retest even your uh, your 2020 lows here at, of about 5,000 or 4.5. So um, <clears throat> what would be the biggest trigger for the PSEI index to fall further? Um, a lot of things, no? Number one, um, a high interest rate is now going to impact First and foremost, what happened in the 1997 Asian financial crisis, ira-repeat natin yung mga problems in the 1980s era. Uh, sorry, not 1980s era, this one. No, We, we go back to this era where um, 1997 to 2004, that was a time when the Philippine market over that last seven years, you can see that naman here, 1997 towards uh, 2004, the Philippine economy went from 3-4 uh, in the in, in 1997 peak to as low as 1,000. Okay, so that is a decline of more than half 50% devaluation. 50% uh, down in Philippine market with the 100% devaluation of, of your dollar peso. So I'm not trying to predict, but um, if the Philippine economy cannot actually fight the dollar peso, and this is a very, very strong problem, your PSEI index from its peak of about 9,000 can actually potentially reach this 4,500. Yung 5.7 mo, possible, possible minor support yan. You can rally, but then again, the, the likelihood to go 5,000 or 4.5 is not over over the next maybe about two to three years if we cannot contain inflation. So I'm warning you that there are, of course, historical guidance to, to say uh, our bearish thesis. Now, um, I don't want to scare all of you, but let's take a look on the index naman today. Um, the index already has uh, is now beginning to close. 
market value is about 3.6 billion pesos. You can see that the Philippine market has a lot of losers. Um, index movers are mostly all to the downside, but let me just read everything to you. About this equity ventures trading at about 50 pesos, Emperador at 18 pesos, BDO 120, Meralco 352, JG Summit 50, Ayala Corp 605, Globe 2250, San Miguel 105, BPI 88, Metro Bank 48, MPI 3.7, Dushotan Group 8.4, Security Bank 88, Mega World 2 peso, Avoid is Power 31, AGI 10 peso, Pure Gold 30 peso, Monde 13.84, PLDT 17, Jollibee 210, uh, Ascend 8, Converge 21, Robinson's Land 17, GTCAP 450, ICT 180, URC 115, Wilcon 21, Ayala Land 24, SM774, SM Prime 3565. Quick college lesson here for those who are very, um, who, who wants to know about uh, interest rate hikes. Interest rate hike regimes are very negative towards your Philippine stocks. And therefore, the decline in your Philippine stocks today, um, which is actually just unchanged, is still a surprising thing. To be honest, guys, 6,250 does not look to me as a support. It actually tells me that there is still leeway to go for your Philippine market to the downside. Now, I'm not here to paint a very bearish forecast for you, but as I said, um, while it's nice to hear that the Philippine peso is trying to really stop this um, massive decline of uh, Philippine peso, um, it is yet to be known whether our companies can actually earn enough to support uh, being bought. <clears throat> there is a question, let me just answer that. Nikki, are you still bullish on a this power? Um, I am still bullish on Aboitis Power. However, let's take a look at the chart itself. Um, I don't think that the Philippine economy or corporations can actually um, remain safe when your overall uh, world economy is fighting a high interest rate environment. Look at this. So Aboitis Power. Okay, let's take a look at Aboitis Power here. So far, no, we said that Aboitis Power has been one of those renewable energy plays that we continue to support because of the secular trend, in our view, of um, a rising need for energy investments. And this is not just true for the Philippine environment, but it's also true for the world. We know that the world is heavily investing in a sustainable future, and that sustainable future isn't really just solar, but it actually involves everything, coal, gas, hydropower, um, and Aboitis Power is one of those segments in the world and also in the Philippines, which I think is supposed to be stable. Um, stability is going to happen. And in 1997 crisis, I can tell you, though, that what is stable and what holds their power is really um, in the Philippine environment and even the world. No, In a rising rate environment, what you hold as a defense is any company that pays you dividend and any company that can provide cash flows no matter if you have a recession. It just so happens that in a recessionary environment, what really gets killed is consumers. So ang pinaka bearish mo when you're looking at an economy is unfortunately SM um, and the property sector. So the, the the likelihood for SM Prime and SM to still stay there is actually um, not really likely. Um, I do expect that if your consumers aren't going to spend, tatamaan yung retail segment. And, and that's why you saw not, that Pure Gold is already at 10-year lows at 30 peso. 
Um, but to be fair, no, the first thing that really gets killed is consumer spending, not consumer staple. So where do you hide in an environment where Nikki discusses, number one, inflation is a problem. Number two, are we going to fight uh, inflation through higher interest rate regimes, with ha which happened in 1980s era, where we had a 31% interest rate? Now, I don't think naman that the Philippines is cuckoo's to, to, to raise rates to 31% like 1980s era. But we have to be careful because when you raise your rates too high, you may actually kill demand to the point that your houses die. And when houses go down too much, it leads to a crash. And the world actually is very uh, tight, no, very tight liquidity. Spending gets down and it takes you about two years, three years recession. Yan. Um, but base case, you have to understand the Philippine government does not have a lot of levers. Um Usually, the Philippine government is going to try to raise rates, raise rates. Um, it actually means that if you can just hide in cash, it has a lot of value. I'm actually bullish in cash. But um, any company that pays you cash dividend shouldn't be a big problem. Um, I've seen stability in companies that pay cash dividend. That's why if you can look at the Philippine market, you see that actually Aboitis Power is still steady here at 30 pesos. What Aboitis Power needs to do for the next two to three years is continue to pay that one peso 50 cents that they do. Tama ba? They pay one peso 50 cents. Let's take a look at Edge, no? Um, edge. So the Philippine peso is um going to fight the inflation with a lot of interest rate hikes. So ingat lang sa companies with very high interest rate expenses because that is also uh, impede their ability to pay the cash dividend. You can see that Aboitis Power paid 1.5, 1 peso 50 cents. That's your 5% uh, yield. Um, so from a secular trend, I think that Aboitis Power is going to be more resilient versus your entire PSEI. Resilient does not mean that it's not going to go negative, by the way. It could go 27, could go 25. But I think that if ever it goes down there, you should see more defensive stocks like them to stay afloat. At the same time, utility kasi ang Aboitis Power, just like Meralco. So I expect Meralco and Aboitis Power to be a hiding place. What will not be a hiding place? Obviously, housing. Let's talk about the housing. Okay, um, the Philippine property sector is already in the quagmire. Uh, let's talk a lot. Uh, let's look at the Philippine property sector here. You're seeing that the Philippine properties are getting killed. Your mega world. Um, your, uh, let's take a look at all of them. No? So your mega world right now is back towards 2 pesos. Um, and nowadays, you might assume now, but mega world has been um, very resilient. They've got malls. They've got BPO remittance offices. Indeed, mega world is a company that is different 2000 era versus 2020 era, which makes that 2 pesos actually probably a cash flow king even if it is a property company. So usually, guys, in a high inflationary environment, people would ask, do you have dividends to pay? Now, what we saw in the Philippine government is that they issued REITs. Megaworld has the M-REIT. Ayaloland has the A-REIT. Um, uh, a lot of companies, like Robinson's Land, has the REITs. So I think in order for these property companies uh, to stay afloat, if you're going to ask me, if you're going to ask my cash, no, to pay Mega World, 
nowadays, it's not enough to tell me that you are doing a lot of expansion in Iloilo or in Cebu or all of your expansion in Visayas region, which was part of the build, build, build infrastructure that benefited because um, the build, build, build infrastructure really benefited the roads, diba? So you've seen the, the Cavite, all of those land prices went up, all of the prices uh, on the properties went up because of the road infrastructure then. I think that uh, the Philippine economy, like uh, Mega World, is a stronger company today versus 10, 20 years ago. So actually, I see value in the property segment even with rising rate environment because, I, as I said, the company only needs to show that I can pay cash flows because they have malls, they have uh, more malls than ever. Nonetheless, hindi ko i-headwind fight yan. You don't need to fight the trend. What you just need to know is for the next three years, potentially three years, you want to hide in a company that pays good divs. If a company can pay high divs, safe shot. I think that Mega World pays dividends, but not to the point that it's going to be very, very high. Let's just take a look at the dividends paid by Mega World. Uh, Mega World paid about 2 centavos, which is just 1%, tama ba? Sorry, four, 4 centavos. So that's 2%. So if you ask me, um, the limit, the, the limit, no, um, the banks would be limited drop because high interest rate environment means that a lot of people will put their cash to the bank. Kasi cash lang eh. They'll put their money in the cash, time deposit rate. They get that 3% lending facilities from the Banco Central. And then, um, Ang problema ng banks is that even if they can earn that net interest income margin, uh, usually naman kasi if they earn 3%, mabibigay lang nila sa'yo dyan 1.5% or 2%. They earn money doon. In a high interest rate environment, I think no, the banks can make money but na-offset din yan by lower loan growth. So baka stable yung banks. Ang alam ko lang, ang medyo safe yun is utilities, REITs, consumer staple. Um, Nagkataon that Abortis Power is actually considered a utility and energy. So as long as those investments continue worldwide, I don't think that you should be too scared. Let's answer your questions. Hi, Nikki. Are you a full-time trader or are or do you also have a day job? Thanks for the question. Um, so I really do a lot of remote work. I mostly trade in the U.S. markets. But of course, I still live in the Philippines, so I watch the Philippine market. Um, I, I would consider myself a full-time trader. Uh, I just do YouTube videos as uh, as part of teaching for fun. Um, I also teach uh, clients um, and those who want to watch for free. Um, so you can ask me about ideas in the U.S., ideas in the Philippines. But yeah, uh, majority of my money has been mostly in the U.S., though. Um, the thing is, it has been more of a macro reason for me. I just feel that worldwide, the opportunities are bigger rather than the Philippines. Um, but it doesn't mean that I don't look at the Philippine market. Every so often, if there's really an opportunity in Pinas, I still, um, I still put a stake, an exposure. There's a question, what will happen to REITs? Actually, the REITs are now going to be a, a, a defensive area. Let's take a look at what happened, no? So between Mega World and, and Mega World REIT, no? Um, so I, I think that uh, people will now evaluate how much yields I make on the M REIT. 
how much yields do I make on this ARIT? Um, and if they can get at, at least 4 or 5%, they will uh, buy it. So hindi ko pa talaga na may measure magkano ba binabayad ng mga mega world REITs. Kasi if you ask me, no, if I just park my dollar or my peso in cash, as I said, nagre-raise ng REITs. Kaya hindi ako mag-invest sa stocks and I'll just stay in cash. That the only way for, for anyone in the world to invest in stocks is you have to give cash dibs. Um, cheap prices is not enough. Why? Because we expect a slowdown in the economy. Cheap can become cheaper in a recession. Um, the, so the question is, is this a right time to accumulate REITs? Um, so hindi ko pa na value, sorry ah, hindi ko pa na check lahat ng REITs. Ha. Hindi lang kasi yan sa Pinas eh. We have to check how much do the REITs worldwide pay. So if the average REIT payment is about 5% or 6%, doon mo i-calculate yung time to buy for a, for, 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 a, for a stock na listed in the Philippine market. Um, has this year been good to your bottom line? Actually, I am happy to say that because I I spent mostly a lot of the money naman talaga in the dollar, dollar exposure, and I was, um, the, the, the market was hard no in US, but I was able to short stocks um, and continuously shorting them. So medyo na-manage ko. Actually, I have an account that is actually up mga 50 to 60%, tapos dollar pa. Um, but actually, as weird as this may go, no. Um, to be honest, in 2021, which was supposed to be an easy year, I lost some money in 2021. 2022, hindi ako sa 2022. I actually made some money in 2022. Maybe because in 2021, nag-start na bumagsak yung growth stocks. So I was already medyo aware of the drop. So nung mga 2022, I really capitalized mostly on shorting. So nag-short tayo, nag-inverse funds tayo. So hindi ako masyado tinamaan in 2022. Kasi nga, as I said, if you've been watching, um, even since January, Philippine market, we were bearish. Uh, US market, we are bearish. So because we are largely bearish, what's happening in the market is something that we've forecasted, we realized, and I'm sorry to say this, but the more the markets fall, the more that I will be profitable. Kasi I have cash, I am short, Um and the thing about this is that when we approach the next three months, which I believe is going to be earnings downgrade season, um, it will really be profitable for people who know how to trade. Um, this year has been very good for traders. I was mostly trading. Okay, um, I see. Okay, uh, so yun. Um, I think uh, everybody, the, the thing about the Philippines and even in the US, most people in my view are very bearish, but the problem I felt was these people who are bearish didn't execute. For instance, for crypto na lang, we, we sold, we shorted, we told people babagsak yan, 60%, 50%, 90%. So hindi kami, hindi ako masyado natamaan. In fact, um, actually, the lower crypto goes, the lower the stock markets go, I'm sorry to say this, pero every time somebody has a mis misery, Somebody is also on the other side actually shorting. So um uh we we are uh we have been warning people that the dollar I think is very strong. Uh and we were saying that it's good to keep your money in USD. Um 
the, the dollar peso devaluation is just another problem to fix na naman and it's another headwind um what what's what what should be your um what should be your takeaway no from all of these number one okay um it's true naman that cycle lang to but you have to understand are we in the beginning of the cycle or at the end of the cycle and in my view no i'm not somebody who knows the economy too much but i am willing to put money on the side na cash lang because the headwinds remain there. If you are gonna tell me, Nikki, bilhin na tayo ng 5.7, pwede naman, pero I, what would I buy? I'd buy maybe Meralco. I'd probably buy PLDT. I'll probably still buy Globe. I might buy Aboitis Power, as you guys said. And you've seen me actually highlight some good solar energy plays in the Philippines like Aslag. So we've seen actually Aslag go 150, 160, and then rally to 2 peso, 210, and then down again to about 180s today. It could retest 150, 160s. Your REITs can actually become a solid investment, but you have to trade it. Um, I think we are entering an environment where if you know how to trade, you will make a fortune. But if you don't know how to trade, unfortunately, people will just sell things off and sell things off and sell things off. And you will not be able to make money because if you're just going to buy and hold in a in a market na nag-downtrend to lower highs, um, so your money's not safe, diba? So we, we talked about the headwinds. Inflation is going to affect your URC. Inflation is going to affect your monde. Your, um, the commodity prices, the good and the bad. No? Let's talk about the good and the bad. Um, the good thing about commodity prices is that so far, because of demand destruction, it has stopped advancing it has stopped advancing so it means that maybe this inflation can be tamed over time maybe after six months we've seen that happen in 2008 crisis by the way from about 130 dollar oil naging 40 dollar oil so um that said the crisis in the last 13 years has not had a war so we have a war paren and we still have energy production problems so I think that what will make me bullish is number uh what would make me bullish with so many bearish stuffs that I've been discussing all, all year round. What would make me bullish in the markets number 1 show to me that tourism in the Philippines becomes up. Kasi I'm bullish in tourism. Eh. I've seen how companies were able to really grow because of tourism. So I think that the Philippine government is doing its best to really reopen safely. Let's really reopen our economy. Economy. Let's. So yon. That's one data that I will take a look at. Number two data. Let's take a look at whether inflation can peak. Because eto naman ginawa ni peso dollar. It will help inflation. No, yung fifty six pesos mo pag nag fifty five yan, magsta stop ng konte yung decline. Ng, um, ng Philippine index. Um, pero until when? So, so those are the question marks. Also, prove to me that if the malls can still collect rent in a recession, uh, if the offices can still collect rent, lahat yan, question mark, ha? actually, hindi ko alam kung makakagawa sila nun. But if they can, and if they prove that they have cash, obviously, cash flow is king. Uh, I have to tell you na mataas yung conviction ko that we will continue to get naman groceries to be stable. So if you hide in pure gold, if you hide in Meralco, if you hide in mga 
stable like Aboitis Power, I think you'll be safe. Metro Bank, the banks usually will be okay. You'll get about 3% div. The lower they go, the better for you. Okay, um, there is a question. The first hurdle I can see jumping into full-time trading is that I will have to prove my source of funds. But most traders do not file their taxes, right? Um, just two weeks ago, I got kicked out of Tonic Banking because they're asking for my source of funds. I'm a self-employed freelancer. I'm 50-50 on whether I give my money to this current administration. Um, okay, it took me years to really be um, able to say that I could trade full-time. Um, you can actually follow me at Faces Trader. You can see how my, my account goes up, goes down. So um, I don't think that it is possible for somebody who does not have a significant savings. Um, I usually just trade 25% of my net worth. Uh, meaning if you see like say a $100,000 account, that's just 25% of the net worth. And then of course, you don't have a lot of expenses in a week or in a month that even a $10,000 to $20,000 decline in your account or even a $50,000 decline in your account wouldn't affect your day-to-day -day life. So those are things to consider. And um, also the thing is, um, you can open an account. Probably don't open to that. Um, if ever, no, ako, I open my dollar account with the usuals. Naman. So use BDO, BPI, Union Bank. Um, my digital naman na yan, so just use those. Um, and then to open an account abroad, if you want to trade abroad, um, well, I use interactive brokers uh, for US. And then for the Philippines, I do use WealthSec. Um, yeah, so I hope that that helps you. We'll give you ideas. Uh, I've also been exploring eToro. So I've been using eToro. I go in, I go out, deposit, withdraw. Um, and then over time, I'm going to teach you how... Um, Actually, I'm exploring another brokerage firm. Um, medyo matino siya. Um, my real-time data. So I, I trade abroad uh, mostly. Pero that's because the U.S. gives a lot of cheap leverage. Um, and, and just to give you a notion, no, interactive brokers only charges me 3% a year. So that's very cheap. So I, I use their leverage from time to time. Yun. So... Um, hope that helps and uh, see you again next week, next Thursday, Kita Kits, Kita Kits uh, 2 p.m. Thank you very much. Uh, and please don't forget to like and share and subscribe towards Awesome 10X. Bye-bye.